You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Welcome to Proof Text. I am Michael Halcombe and I'm here with my good friend, Fred Long. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Hope you're having a great New Year's. Yeah, yeah. It's going all right over here. Um, you're, you're traveling a bit at the start of the new year, right? Yeah. I'm seeing family, done some recording, uh, seeing some family, uh, with my parents in Arizona. It's great. Um, uh, I, it, it's nice to get into the, the warm sun. I have to admit, even though it's not like really warm here, but you know, 70 feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice pool and just, I needed to relax. I'm, I'm looking forward to an upcoming sabbatical but I have one more semester, but yeah, it's a long needed uh, sabbatical coming in the fall. But yeah, I just need to rest. Yeah, to rest a little right. bit. Right. Well, we're at uh, Galatians 1.12. Um, we've been reading verse by verse through Galatians. And yeah, it's going to take us a while to get through this, which is fine. There's no rush. So uh, we're going to pick up there today at Galatians 1.12. I'm going to start by... Uh, reading it in the Greek, and then we'll just discuss what we're seeing grammatically, syntactically, contextually, theologically, and so on. So, here's the Greek. Ude gar ego para anthropu par elavon, afto ute edidakthen, ala di apocalypseos Jesu Christu. Wow. Yeah, that's always nice to hear you read. All right, so uh, we have an udagar, udagar ego. So the gar is indicating strengthening. Yeah, so let's let's tie this back to. I mean, we've had a, a now a string of gars, right? Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna see another one in verse thirteen. So uh, he's kind of getting to a ground basis. He keeps kind of going to a. It's kind of like the movie Inception. I don't want to spoil it for you, but. You know, there's like layers upon layers of the undergirding reality. And so here, when you start piling up these gars, you keep kind of getting to a more fundamental kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that's how I understand it. What, what do you see with these gars piling up? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have one in 10. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> we, we have one in 10. We have one in 11. We have one in 12. We have one in 13. Of course, all of them right at the the beginning of these sentences. So, yeah, it's like a, a stacking effect, kind of like a, a stacking rhetorical effect. Um, it's, it's kind of, well, we, we've been talking about like building on, you know, each subsequent one builds on the previous one and strengthens it. Um, Mm-hmm. So I guess it's a way of, uh, I don't know if this would be a good analogy, but uh, kind of like saying when you when you first start uh, dating someone, I, I really like you. And then it grows to, you know, I, I think I may be falling in love. And then like, oh, I, I love you. And then like, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Right. And so, it's this like 
there's a history there and a context there and each one it's like strengthening of of the previous um i don't know that might be a way to think about it, it might be a bad analogy but uh, Actually, kind I, of, thought, I thought your 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 passages there were building through cause and effect so i like you therefore mm. i want to get married to you <laughs> and live the rest of my life i think uh if mm. i like you I'm, if I said because you're fun to be around, because you're beautiful, because you just make me feel really good. Because you're smart, because, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, all right. So I see the difference there. Oh, uh, just trying to think of an analogy on yeah. the fly for that, but yeah. this cumulative sort of effect, right? Where yeah. each, each statement is. Stacked on top of the other ones, and um, it creates. There, there is certainly an emotive aspect to that, right? When I mean, you're to say that to I like you because you're always there for me, and because <laughs> you take care of me, and because if you keep doing that thing, like, yeah, there's a certain emotive thing that's at work there as well. And I think it's important to, to, to try to map out what is being strengthened and how yeah. it's being yeah. strengthened. So here we have a Uda uh, before the Gar. And so Uda is kind of interesting because it's a combination of U, which is a negative adverb, meaning not, and then the De is new development. Yeah. So I would try translating that something like this for neither moreover did i receive it from people yeah, from a person from yeah a person. yeah neither oh. yeah additionally was i taught it yeah but anyway it's hard to translate to get all the the nuances and to represent mm -hmm. that into an english uh, utterance yeah yeah uh, of course, we have the ooh, ooh, Allah thing, the ooh, Allah thing going on here. But yeah, I think your point about let's let's do that. Let's try to track what is what is being strengthened. I think what's being strengthened is that that Paul is not the source of the gospel, uh, but God is. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's being strengthened. He's he's uh, and especially the first. A uh, bit of that there, there is maybe not that not Paul is, but that a person is not a source of this, but God is. So that Paul himself can't claim to be the source, but neither can his his troublemakers or his opponents. Yeah, yeah. So there's a human scale level thinking that Paul is denying. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this is not human scales not according to a person it's not beyond or from a person i mean how do you take the para we were talking about that last uh, a few episodes ago i think the para um is he saying like adding to it remember like para with the that was with the accusative yeah, yeah so proximity is how i always think about para. para with the genitive is there any difference there like the genitive is has ha, can have a sense of ablative, which is like source, like from. 
Yeah, so, even uh, even regardless of whether we're dealing right, it's the one of these three three case prepositions, like regardless of which case we're dealing with, um I still think proximity is always at the heart of para, regardless of the case. Right? Okay. So if we're thinking about a kind of along the lines of a genitive of source, I still see it as a distancing effect, right? Okay. He, he's placing himself in a farther proximity. Uh, yeah. From, from being the source. Yeah. Or yeah. 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 So, so then the, um, the verb here uh, is para lambano. It's in its form presently is para, para, it's a second aorist, first singular form. And it's working with an explicit subject, ego. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, is not, it's really not needed at all. Of course. Right. And so there is stress again on Paul's agency of receiving it. And we talked about Paralambano before. And just that it it has to do with like a teaching tradition kind of that can refer to that right, well, right. It, gets, it gets even more interesting if we go to the liddell scott jones which is the classical lexicon and i always check i just always i have them both open when i click on a word i can go to both get get this it's to receive from another especially of persons succeeding to an office hmm and then it gives uh, texts from Herodotus, Thucydides, uh, of successors. In fact, it can be used as an attributive participle to refer to successors. So it really, this, this verb has to do with official kinds of pa passing along of rights or customs. Maybe it goes even, really well with the the uh, verb that follows the didasco, the didac thing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I did not receive it from a person, nor was I taught it. So let's let's take a break, and then we'll come back and and finish talking about verse twelve. Looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level? We here at Glossa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit GlossaHouse.com to find what you've been looking for. Glossa House, language resources for the global community. All right, welcome back. We're in the thick of Galatians 1.12, and uh, we have come to the ute, the doctrine, and we're talking about that in conjunction with parelavon, and how these may, in fact, be formal terms for the reception or the receiving, the handing on of uh, tradition or you know, some sort of uh formal passing down right so yeah, then we, we get we get the contrast here so we have the neither nor and now we have the allah 
Um, and he's going to say, Allah the Apocalypse of Jesus Christ. But, and now we're back to the eye here, through a revelation uh, of Jesus Christ or from Jesus Christ. Yep. Yep. And I did, I did want to, and we need to go back to the Uta Edadak thing because the Allah clause that follows is verbless. So we actually need to figure out what is the verb that's being implied. So just before the Allah is an Ute. Now, Ute with a Tau, uh, Tau Epsilon, um, oh. He uh, indicates um, addition of a similar kind. So it can be like a grammatical similar uh, thing. Uh, in narrative, it can sometimes stand alone and it's like adding something to a previously established scene. So te is really interesting. It's it's signaling sameness and addition. So neither I was taught it. Neither was I taught it. And edadakthane is a aorist passive uh, indicative. So Paul, first person singular. So ne- neither was I taught it, but then you have the Allah. So you have the uk. Uh, the U-Allah construction, the Allah is indicating the correction. And what's the verb? What do you see as the verb that's being implied there? And what exactly is the correction, Michael? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I guess the the paralamvano, par the parelavon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's interesting. I mean, can can it be both? You know, but. I received and was taught it through a revelation of Jesus Christ or Jesus, the anointed one. Mm. Or, but I, I mean, it seems more natural to say, uh, but it. I received it through a revelation. Yeah. You're not really taught a revelation. You receive yeah. a revelation. Um, well, yeah. Ta- I, I do like, I do like your idea though, that the Uta is there, the tab marking sameness, uh, I, maybe both. I think both would be naturally in view, but I received it and was taught it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, it just raises some interesting questions about uh, Vidasco in terms of a revelation, like being taught a revelation, right? We don't, I haven't heard or read much about being taught a revelation it seems like we receive a revelation but i mean maybe if we go to the apocalypse of john you know the book of revelation certainly he seems to be uh, being taught some things uh, during that revelation without a doubt he's also receiving it right and in a string of visions but um, I think this idea of teaching, we, we need to look at that some more. Like what are legitimate in the ancient world avenues of being taught? And, and, and what does it mean through a revelation of Jesus Christ? I mean, this is debated as well. What is the revelation of Jesus Christ? Uh, is, this, is it the, the appearing of, of Christ to, to, to Paul on the Damascus Road? Is that what he's referring to? Or is that just the starting point of the revelation? And once this revelation has been given, Paul then leans into Jesus and then is taught maybe from Scripture. I mean, what if Scripture is the source of his teaching? That is Jewish Scripture. 
you know, what if what if he this this revelation of Jesus Christ becomes the the whole context in Paul's understanding of of his being taught. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because he knows scriptures really well, and we don't even know what he did exactly. We know that he's gone for about fourteen years to the Antioch Church, right? He went to Syria. We, he went to Arabia. We're gonna well, he's actually gonna explain what he did. But we actually don't know exactly what he did, although Acts says right away that he was he was debating and really confounding the Jews from the I think from Scripture. Like so, he's right away like leaning into understanding who Christ is in relation to the Jewish Scriptures. And yeah, I'm really intrigued by being taught a revelation <laughs> and that that whole idea. I've honestly not even thought about that before um well, and it's it's through a revelation so i'm i'm puzzling of being, uh, being taught through a revelation yeah dia dia as instrument i normally think of dia with genitive as 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 intermediate mm -hmm. agency so not the primary agency um but but i guess the primary agency you're kind of limited because you'd have to use upo and then the agent and so um you know that's that's not possible because he wants to use the word revelation so through that's why i think that i think there maybe are other agencies involved but the 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 there is a throughness that becomes the context uh yeah, I mean, part part of the question becomes, well, I mean, why did he do it this way? Why not? Why not flip parelavon and edidakthen, right? So that he's saying, mm -hmm. for neither was I taught by a man, nor did I receive a revelation through Jesus, right? Why doesn't he he flip the verbs and put them? Why does he put them the way he does? So I'm I'm intrigued by that. I do I tend to think that the revelation in view here is the Damascus Road experience. But yeah. um, now that you you've got me thinking about this being taught through a revelation, uh, could it yeah could it be something else? Is you know could it be the Damascus Road experience and then some? Yeah, the scriptures or whatever. Yeah. But well, I think I think what I would want to say it's through the context of being revealed of Jesus Christ being revealed to me mm. through, through the context of Jesus Christ being revealed is think is kind of how I would want to understand it. So the ultimate starting point and context for his understanding of the gospel is in fact Jesus Christ raised from the dead, and this becomes important for his apostolic understanding yes exactly and particularly as one who i presumably didn't you know he didn't know jesus as a human uh prior to his death and resurrection he whoa what do you mean by that? you mean know him personally what do you mean he didn't know him well yeah he didn't, he didn't know, him know. flesh he didn't know him uh you know he didn't encounter jesus prior what? to jesus death and you resurrection think that? how do we there's no record of that and I think uh, in, uh, in Second Corinthians, he he indicates as much that we know him according to the flesh. 
So you okay? Uh. <laughs> do you think do you think that Paul encountered Jesus as a yeah? Yeah, I do. Um, really? Maybe not directly, but <laughs> I I have a hard time thinking that Paul being trained under Gamaliel, Paul walking the corridors of Jerusalem, and never ever having seen Jesus in person, I just find it, I find it hard to believe. I'm, I'm not saying they ever spoke to one another, um, but it, I, f- I find it difficult to believe that he never ever saw or encountered Jesus. Yeah. I can't prove that, but it just seems, seems unlikely to you. Yeah. Boy, I think, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, you know, but I think there are opportunities in Acts and in Paul's writings for him to say that I, I saw him. Well, certainly, I think there are opportunities to do that. I mean, it's one of those like good arguments from silence, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just I find it. I think you're the choice of word to use implausible. I don't find it. Uh, yeah, I find it. Did I say implausible? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that might've been a little bit too hard because I'm tend to be open-minded, but I don't think it's likely, but I will find that verse in second Corinthians and we'll next episode, uh, quickly look it up as we record. Um, yeah. So I, it's interesting. Yeah. I just don't (laughs) think he did, (laughs) but, but, you know, Jesus didn't spend a lot of time in Jerusalem. I mean, the, the synoptics have him being there one time, but in John's gospel, we know that he went there three or four times, but often in disguise or, you know, not, not too publicly. So, you know, it's a big place. It's a big place. And he, you know, Paul, who knows where Paul was at that point. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, we have some things to think about there, but I mean, if in Acts, like we we do know that Paul, uh, he he lived in Jerusalem, right, um, for some time. Did he? Um, well, let's look. Yeah, we need to. I feel we need to like add some of this out in another episode. Um, <laughs> and then you have Paul has. So in like Acts 22 and 3, right, Paul some family in Jerusalem. And, well, you're right that Jesus isn't in Jerusalem a lot, but we know he he did visit Jerusalem. And um, so yeah, I just feel like, or I think that there's a high likelihood that their, their paths crossed, although they maybe never had direct uh, encounters with one another. So... I did find um, the, one of the verses, and it's actually I remembered it wrongly. Which Second Corinthians five sixteen is that what yeah, five sixteen? So even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him. Yes, this way no longer. Right. Uh, yeah, that would suggest the possibility. Although it is a it is a a present simple condition. So if. But even if we have known him, which would suggest that it was a, a reality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he seems <laughs> to downplay. I mean, he could have made more of that. He could have made more of that as an apostle. You know? <laughs> because in Acts, those are the two requirements for being an apostle is 
well, having gone around in his ministry and observed his miracles, which I guess Paul probably didn't qualify there, but then also being witnesses of his resurrection. Those were the two qualifications for replacing Judas. And so Paul is just apostle that is untimely born. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. I like that verse. Yeah. I think the Corinthians second Corinthians five sixteen, kind of leans, you know, a little more in my direction, but yeah, yeah. it does. I don't know if I was thinking of another verse, but (laughs) I wish you would have been more, more, more forthright about that. (laughs) Even if we, even if we, well, I've got a parting quote. All right. Time. Yeah. So mistakes are a fact of life. It is a response to the error that counts. Nikki Giovanni, whoever that is. Right. So I admit <laughs> that I may have been mistaken in my understanding uh, of things, which is kind of ironic because that's yeah I know well. And uh, I thought there was yeah. a oop there. So well, look at that, man. It's error. I, I, so that's what I love because I learned things from you on this, but yeah, you said, you know, learn things too. So, um, that's fun. We're like we said before, we're doing this, no notes, no prep. We're just doing it on the fly. So you're hearing us in real time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it's fun to when we can have these moments think and, loud. and yeah, think out loud and press push on each other and, yeah. um, yeah. So, well, thank you all for listening. We hope that's been insightful for you. We hope that you'll keep listening and hey, uh, get the word out about the podcast and you know share it with a friend or family member, or coworker, you know, church member this week. And uh, also go check out the great resources over at glossahouse.com. Thanks for listening. See you later, Fred. Yeah, we'll see you, Michael. We look forward to having you all listen to us next time. Aloha. <laughs>